A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello! And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dadly Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Sidgwick. No Michael Hamlet today. His son's birthday is today. So happy birthday, Charlie. Happy birthday to Charlie. Uh, we're here to review, of course, last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, <sighs> where we do daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A little bit of a quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite. What did you make of last night's show, Sidge? I really enjoyed it, and I was encouraged about the future direction mm. of the promotion, um, almost in equal measure. Um, the two bookends were fabulous, uh, because they were very simple, refreshing stories, perfectly told, alike but not at all, mm-hmm. the range I was really impressed yeah. with on the bookends, it did bring into sharper focus that the middle portion of the show was kind of spot-festy filler. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two bookends were fabulous, and beyond those matches where I felt a lot of it just bled into the next somewhat, um, like, there were certain directions that I was happy with individually. And what I like as well is that maybe, he was never going to say this because Tony Khan has got that wrestling promoter instinct where he can never admit that he was wrong, (laughs) or rarely, I should say, I'll be fair, rarely, he's come out and said, this wasn't a great direction, or... Like the Dark Order original incarnation. Like there's very hard he can't teleport. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. He has, when it was indefensible, not defended it, but he is very much a spin doctor, yeah. as every wrestling promoter ever was and or is. But maybe he's recognized, yeah, the pay-per-view builds last year weren't particularly great. Um he's then sort of spun that by saying the pay-per-views themselves were on the best streak ever, blah, 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 blah. It's just notable to me, and I really like this, that there are four matches that six weeks out, which is as it should be, mm. you should know what the card looks like. We do. Roderick Strong, Orange Cassidy, Tony Storm, Deonna Parazzo, Sting and Darby Allen versus the Young Bucks, and the presumed three-way for the world title. Yeah. He's told you... Like, three of these matches are all but happening, yes. one heavily hinted. He's, I think he's basically trying to reassure the viewers, these are the matches you're going to get. Now it's just story from here on yeah. out. 
I'm really pleased with that. You think about what I think it was all in possibly where you and I were sat here speculating mere weeks before. Yeah, certain things for we knew. all in as well. Yeah, certain things we knew, or uh, there was another show I remember. Just and we were a, like a fortnight out, a bi-weekly cycle uh, uh, out. And uh, I was like, I, I don't know what the matches are going to be. I've got an idea, but you nice got a big idea, yeah. But this is all set but, in stone. All yeah. but telling you, all setting in stone. Here are the matches. Get ready for some stories. So I'm going to sit here patiently, waiting for it to happen. Uh, let's dive into it then. Uh, we get a great video package when the show opens, setting up our main event, of course, Samoa Joe versus Hook for the world title. We see them entering the arena. Quick note on that. More of this, please. Yes. Proper big fight feel. They are making you want to see it. It's a match dynamic because you didn't expect Hook to go to that level out of nowhere like he did. It's kind of captured the imagination of the public. I really liked how they replayed the social media promo. Mm. They recapped that inauguration championship promo, if you like, from Joe, which was fantastic. Um, entering the building. If anything, I think they should have hammered it more throughout the night. Mm. Really should have, yeah. But uh, a strong start. If you've got something that people are into, and people were into Hook versus Joe, like, flaunt it. Yeah. Um, Ian Riccoboni joined Excalibur and Taz. More on him in a little while. Uh, and the show opened with the TNT title match between Christian Cage and simultaneously aged and ageless yes. Justin Rhodes. Um, yeah, Christian Cage early on. Teases a, a test of strength with Dustin Rhodes and then cheap shots him because he's an arsehole. Um, Rhodes came back early on with a running, a rolling power slam for two, uh, but he got sent out to the floor and a big dive from Cage takes us to the break. When we come back, big slugfest with them on their knees and they rise to their feet and Rhodes hits a Manhattan drop and that signature bulldog of his for a near fall. Um, he also hits that drop-down punch and a code red for two. Teased a dive, but Cage cut him, uh, him off and hit a right hand with a frog splash back inside uh, to get another two count. Cage goes and grabs the TNT title. Aubrey's arguing with him. Uh, Rhodes gets a cradle, but uh, his prodigy Nick Wayne slides in to reverse it, but uh, thankfully Dustin kicks out at two. Cage went to the second rope, had his legs swept out, and they'd set this up earlier on, but Cage had escaped getting sent to Yambag City, in the words of Taz. But, uh, yeah, Dustin hit him with the unnatural kick. Superplex, crossroads, near fall, 2.9999. Oh, my God. I bought it. I bought it. We'll get... I'm going to put that over so heavily, but we'll do the recap first. Uh, so, Nick Wayne trips Rhodes following this. Cage takes the ref. Uh, but Dustin Rhodes fights off kill switch and counters uh, Wayne's World into a Canadian destroyer on the floor. Gets back inside, but he, as a result of this, misses a corner charge. Cage hits the spear and the kill switch. You think it's all over. Dustin Rhodes kicks out, flips Cage off. So Cage just hits him with a second kill switch to get the one, two, three and retain the TNT title. Oh, my God. <sighs> loved this. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I just was swept up in the drama. And I thought, this is the kind of match where... If you looked at it on paper, move for move, you'd think, ah, mm. it's a pretty standard or classic wrestling match. Um, and yeah, it was just performed so brilliantly with so many beautiful little subtle touches, as you'd expect from two people who know how to lay, out the, lay the hell out of a match and conduct a crowd. Like just the little things like Dustin sort of like motioning, should I do a dive? Can I do a dive? <laughs> yeah. Do you agree that I should do a dive? Without any kind of panto element, it was no. quite subtle, and that got the crowd up. They were red hot for this in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. I knew they'd get the fans into it. 
I knew their craftsmanship, and that's the key word here, just pure, beautiful craftsmanship. Like, I knew they would get them into it, but they were hot for this. As a and especially considering the limited number of crowd. What, two and a half thousand? We yeah. Said. Like, as I said on the preview, there's been occasions where there's been fewer people than normal in the buildings, and they've just gone to have a great time, and thankfully that was the case here. So Dustin Rhodes did an awesome job of raising the temperature of the crowd in that sequence without doing anything. And what a perfect time that was for Christian Cage with his diamond-sharp mind to deprive them of the thing they'd just been conditioned to really want to see. Just little grey touches like that. Um, they didn't lock up for ages at the start. Oh. And that was wonderful work from Christian Cage especially um, because the idea is he's much bigger than me, he's stronger than me, Quite frankly, he's probably a much better man than I am. <laughs> he could win a fair fight, which I'm showing and not telling the audience through my tentativeness when I'm trying to grapple him, or not trying, as the mm. case may be. I'm not going to win a fair fight against him. Certainly not therefore, win a test of strength, yeah. Yes, therefore it becomes not a fair fight with the really well-timed interference from Killswitch and Nick Wayne, which when not done to death is effective, as demonstrated here. Then, when it kind of becomes a fair fight, when they've been thwarted, you think, well, because the seed has been planted, that Christian Cage is showing you with his body language, I can't win him, I win him, I can't beat him mm -hmm. in a fair fight. When it becomes a fair fight, you think, well, Dustin's winning it. The positioning on that crossroads was expert. Like, so he hits the kills, uh, he hits the crossroads, does Dustin. And then the way it's filmed... I instantly get that feeling of, oh, it's too close to the ropes, mm -hmm. but that's a neat way of doing the kick out. Then the camera pans out slightly, and you think, hang on, Christian Cage is actually not in a position to get even his lanky legs <laughs> onto that bottom yeah. rope. It just, it looks like it's just off center. It's just off center, not clean in the middle, but just off center, and they wrong foot you into thinking, all right, okay, leg on the rope, and then do the camera angle switch, and you think, the cut, and you think, no, he's going to win. <laughs> and then Christian Cage enters the pantheon of Omega, Okada, Roman Reigns, Kurt Angle with our 2.9999999999. I just, I couldn't believe how much I bought that. Like, unbelievable stuff. And again, in the finish, I bought the original, I didn't, I thought he's out for the count as Dustin with the original, the first kill switch. Yes. Because I thought, is something going to rye here? when he was sort of, cr Dustin Rhodes was crouched on the turnbuckle after eating it, and you think, has he been knocked silly a little bit here because it's gone to a bit of an awkward standstill this match? Nah, he's just selling it the way it's meant to be sold, yeah. wrestling the way you were meant to wrestle, to the point that when he gets put away, I'm thinking, are they called Nordable? And just said, do the finish and get out. No, he kicks out, and I completely buy that as well. Absolutely masterful craft. Someone tweeted, I can't remember who, only old people should be allowed to wrestle <laughs> after this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You are right. Just this is class. Really great stuff. I uh, love what came next as well, because Renee Paquette's backstage with Swerve Strickland. Uh, he says, oh, I would be foolish not to be paying attention to the main event, but let's be honest, it doesn't matter if it's Joe or Hook. I'm focused on that world title. Now the Continental Classic is over. That's next for me. I was the talk of the tour tournament, tournament even. And he's enjoying... This he's enjoy he's got a very sinister look on his face. He's got you know great facials on Swerve. And he's he's just like, Yeah, I'm a bastard, I'm gonna win the world title. And he's sort of <laughs> and Renee Paquette says, What about Hangman Page? And he goes, like his face yeah. just instantly transforms. Uh, they are building that rarest of things, a good, credible, intriguing, logical three way match. Mm. 
Uh, Strickland says uh, he's got eyes everywhere, and hey, Alan Page is an impeccable performer. He's been Omega, Danielson, Moxley. He's run through Strong, uh, Drake, Claudio. Hell, if um, God came down from the heavens, Page would have a chance. But he still can't beat me. Ah, I've done it twice against him. Got no reason to do it again. Screenwriter stuff, that. Nothing left to, left to prove. Whose house? Swerve's house. Brilliant. He still has that. There's a jittery element to Swerve's promo game. It takes him a while to really lock in. Um, but a bit of composure with more TV. Like, you never got promo time really in on the main roster. No. It's just always a little bit of a, of a verbal flub, but... I obviously can't criticize that because I do it every podcast. Yeah. I just yeah, I just love just love looking at him. Let alone when he gets in he there. He radiates it, doesn't he? Oh. Radiates the stuff. Um and then Renee Paquette was backstage with Chris Jericho. Yeah, where do so dumb. Where do he and Sammy Guevara go from here after they lost their tag team title street fighter? Um and Jericho says we only lost because of Takeshra and Powerhouse Hobbs. They got involved. Um now my win over to Kester in Japan a, a month ago doesn't mean as much as it used to, so I'm going to seek and destroy him. And Matt Seidel randomly walked in and said, uh, hey, what's going on, Chris? This isn't the Chris that I know. Uh, you need to get in there with someone you've beaten in the past, um, like me. <laughs> you need to get in there with a loser like me. And what? Uh, surprisingly, uh, they didn't go for a match right there and then on Dynamite. They didn't go for a match this Saturday on Collision. They went for a match on Rampage. Weird that. Yeah, this continues. This continues. It's all uh, insidious mm. activity is the Just word. So obvious. Nothing against Rampage. I know it's got fans out there, and I, I badmouth it saying oh, no one watches it, but it did better than Collision, I think, this week, granted with football yeah. and what have you. But if you're an AW wrestler and you get given the choice of wrestling on Dynamite, Collision, or Rampage, that's your third choice, right? Yes, undoubtedly. Two things on this, right? One... You mentioned Rampage just broadly in general. Jim Valley from the Wrestling Observer, his uh, presumably in attendance, said, like, you do not want to miss Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen on Rampage. Yeah, that's on this Crazy, must see. So that's getting a bit of hype. So I will almost certainly be watching that. You're heading to that dimension on Friday. I'm going to go into the dimension of Rampage. <laughs> now I'm not, now that you brought that up. <laughs> Sorry. We'll simply not be watching it anymore. Thank you. Uh, no, and, right, <laughs> Matt Seidel is so talented. Yes. He could not have looked more like a geek here. What were they thinking? Yeah. Right, he's come and said, out of nowhere, what's he doing there for a start? Mm -hmm. Right. Has he just been thinking about Chris Jericho and going, just going home at night mm. and thinking, oh, whatever happened to Chris Jericho? I'm starting to worry he's not the same. I'll confront him this Wednesday on TNT, on mm. TBS. And then he does so. Ridiculous. Goes, hey, you need to beat a geek again. You need to, you need to, you need to I'm going to basically, you need to lose it to beat. And I'm the guy for the job. <laughs> what? And I tell you what, right? This isn't some random quirk that we might remember sat in the office having a chat about all things wrestling and thing. Remember that time Matt Seidel volunteered to be the loser that Chris Jericho can beat? What was that about? This is actually a trope now that doesn't usually go as far as uh, I'm a loser. Why don't you get your confidence back, courtesy of me, f***ing total geek, right? <laughs> but this, what are you doing? This isn't the you I know. Yeah. This weird 
stupid character whom different wrestlers portray is kind of a thing in AEW, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. So surreal, this. Uh, remember, AR Fox did something similar with Wardlow? Mm. What are they doing? I'm going to fight him. I'll probably lose, but I'll fight him. Just what happened to you, man? <laughs> uh, then it was uh, the international champion, Orange Cassidy, with Trent Barretta in a tag match against Penta and Commander. Um, obviously, the match starts out if you're going to pick the two, Penta and Cassidy, so they can do their poses. But uh, Penta's having none of the hands in the pocket stuff. Um, he cuts him off several times and avoids it around the world DDT. Sends Cassidy outside, but gets cut off by Beretta. Commander flies in with a springboard, dives onto Cassidy on the outside, uh, but Beretta turns Commander inside out with a half and half, and Cassidy takes control as we go to break. When we come back, Penta makes the hot tag, runs wild, sling blades for everyone. Beretta has to save his partner from an assisted fear factor. Um, Cassidy hits that round the world DDT on Penta. But uh, then Penta blindsided Brett with a pump kick and a follow-up Canadian destroyer. Commander hit that rope walk splash of his for two, which Cassidy had to break up. Penta went for a springboard. Cassidy shoved his partner aside, though, and hit mid-move. Beach break. Orange punch to Commander, which sends him into Beretta. He hits the crunchy to get the one, two, three. Um, Post-match, out comes the Undisputed Kingdom. Roderick Strong and, well, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom are from the Undisputed Kingdom. They come down, and Strong says to Cassidy, Take your glasses off. You're inside. You're inside. <laughs> no, he says, take your glasses off. Show me some damn respect. Um, Where is my respect? <laughs> he says, has being international champion become a bit too much? You're taking tag team matches now instead of defending your title? That title's mine. It belongs to me. I'm coming for it. And Cassidy's like, all right, let's have a fight for it now then. And Strong says, no, let's have a fight in six weeks uh, at Revolution uh, because I want you to have that time to accept and realize that title's going to be mine on March 3rd. Again, as I said in the intro, I'm very intrigued by them just saying, six weeks away, here's the match. Like, how are they going to build the story now? Mm. Um, well, fascinated. Genuinely fascinated. Um, this match was, I'll be honest, right? I don't want to be jaded Sidgwick. <laughs> no one enjoys that character. <laughs> like, mostly myself. <laughs> but it's hard not to be that guy and feel... Very little for a match like this, nearly five years into AEW's run. Like, yeah. this is the sort of match, like, I'm not one of these idiots who will say, oh, it was all petite wrestling, and, you know, there's oh, there's too many Canadian destroyers on the show and all the rest of it. But there was a magic feeling in 2019 where I was like, destroyers out the ass on TV, yeah. and, like, they're going ridiculously hard on television, which hadn't been the case in a big arena setting on North American cable for, like, years Save and years and shows. years and years. Yeah, of course. And then you'd see something like, I remember Private Party versus the Lucha Bros. <laughs> I think it was the Pittsburgh Dynamite. Or, like, I think it was the Pittsburgh Dynamite. Oh, the Terrible Towel Place. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it was the opener, and they were just going, like, insane. <laughs> like, ridiculously fast. Head drops all over the place. Like, giddy. It was a total thrill. That match... And I'm not saying it's defined the Dynamite experience, but it just feels, I don't know whether it's because the narrative's projected onto Dynamite, that just feels like a Dynamite match, if you like. Yes. Like the the shorthand reference for what AEW kind of is, fairly or otherwise, mm -hmm. and it just felt a bit charmless. And it's five years of a pretty hollow thrill, especially in contrast to the first match. It's just like, oh, I'm a bit bored of this. 
And then I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did feel like, to use Hamlet's on yours phrase of wrestling just happening in front of you. Yes, him. indeed. It was Hamlet who kind that. I just really think it's good and really cutting and insightful. Um, and then Commander acted as the launch pad for the destroying. I'm like, I love that yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. I do that love that good. spot. Um, I So in every respect, as much as I've enjoyed and really being encouraged by Dynamite's form in 2024. In every respect, this was very dynamite in a not particularly flattering way. Like, so you have this pretty dynamite match and with wrestlers who've been on dynamite since the off. Yes. And then it's very much, this match hasn't really happened to do anything in the tag team division. It's a backdrop for mm. the post-match either interference or verbals and it's like there's got to be a different way to tell this kind of story in your mid card like this match only exists to bring out Roderick Strong watch chance a bit bleak I just didn't have the best time with the segment in and of itself but I I am looking forward to how they basically they give themselves six weeks to properly drive interest in this match and I kind of applaud that it's going to be interesting as well because it feels like sometimes they go kind of like this dynamite. Let's hoy an Orange Cassidy International Championship match or a collision, whatever. Let's hoy that on there because it's good fun. We all know he's retaining, but, you know, you can just pick someone on the AW roster. We often play a game to do it, and they've no, they're no doubt going to have, and Orange Cassidy's very popular. Can they do that now? Is that it for six weeks? Because it's one of those where you're well, like, oh, well, what are you doing here? If you well, this AEW has pretty, like, sl- sloppy shop form in orbit saying this is the match that's happening or actually creating the match graphic and then booking matches involving one of the participants knowing they can't lose but like title matches as well speaking of orange cassidy and penta if you recall it was orange cassidy versus penta on the dynamite go home before all out when it was mox Cassidy for the international title before it's like why have you done this (laughs) yeah i remember that never ever gonna win it ever They've got, uh, so, no, oh, I'm bummed out now. They'll probably do a load of international title defences with the idea that Roddy, in the background, or on commentary, can say, oh, well, he's taking a battering. It's going to be easy pickings for me. Ah. Here's an idea. If Orange Cassidy wants someone to, to easily beat on his road to uh, revolution, Matt Seidel. So. Yeah. Uh, Renee Matt pa- should be tits as well. Yeah. Renee Paquette's backstage with Magnum TA. Oh, sorry, Hangman Page. Uh, he's looking more and more like him every day, which is no no bad thing, of course. You want to look like Magnum TA. Um, says that you won't find another soul on this planet that needs uh, or loves the AW World title as much as I do. In 2024, uh, he's going to make that title his and keep it for as long as he can. Uh, Paquette obviously brings up Swerve as well um, and says, you haven't beaten him. And Paige says, well, I don't think about Strickland at all. He's not the world champion. Samoa Joe is. I'll be keeping my eyes on him. And God be with Hook if he's the champion by the end of the night. Foreshadowing what was to come, of course. Yes, indeed. I it I can understand why people would laugh at what is almost a self-own from Paige, saying subtext was basically, yeah, I'm just not going to have a bad run the next time on the title holder. The next yes, time on the chat, yeah. I'll have a good run this time. <laughs> but the character would think that, especially the Hangman Page character who's... Very self-aware, very self-deprecating. Um, so I had no problems with this promo whatsoever. 
Yeah, I, I have, I had, I had, I should say, an issue with Hangman Page being inserted into the title picture initially because people were putting him in. At you the had this irrational of, hatred. No, no because because it, it was at the expense of Swerve. People were like, oh, is it Swerve or is it Hangman? I was like, well, you is can't it say, Swerve? Yeah, you can't say it's Hangman ahead of Swerve because he's lost twice to him. Two Swerves. Swerves won on pay per view following that, and Swerves won more matches because yeah. the Continental Classic. But this version, it is like the we talked a lot about this recently, randomly. You know the the things where it's like. Chaotic good, chaotic neutral, chaotic evil. I level with you, man. I don't really get it. I don't really understand it either. But, like, <laughs> you've got pure baby face. You've got pure baby face, Hangman Page. You've got pure bastard, Swerve. And, like, Joe, fans love him. But he's an arsehole. But he did go back in and hit up yeah. with another muscle buster. To, they've, they've built, as I've mentioned, a really good dynamic yeah. for this three-way. A really good reason for this three-way to exist logically. Um, actual conflict, kind of, between the different like wrestlers in the match. And I will say, I forgot to mention this when Swerve cut his promo. He did a great job of doing well. He's beaten literally everyone. Mm. Like, everyone there is to beat, he's beaten, which I haven't. And it's like, there's the rest of the thing you which always Which hasn't. So if you, they, they are doing... He's the, beaten all these amazing people. He's the best. Yeah. But I beat him, so I'm better. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing that they are... As much as it was weird, jarring initially, as you say... Oh, well, I'll just... Well, the, the Swerve thing was, like, really great, so let's just revisit that through the three-way. It's like, we well, beat you twice. They have done a pretty good job of reminding you that Hangman has beaten literally everyone there is to beat and is himself on good current mm. form. <sighs> right, um, Mark Briscoe came out Oh, next. Jesus. This is awesome. Um, Briscoe family's there. Ringside, of course. It's uh, the anniversary of the, the passing of Jay. He says he's out there to represent the baddest tag team on the planet. Then boys chant, Briscoe brothers, etc. Um, one year ago, he says, tragically, Jay Briscoe passed away. He talked about how not only was his brother in the car, but his nieces were in there too. Um, and doctors said that his oldest niece would never walk again, and then at that moment, Jay's kids walk out on stage. The, the oldest niece is there walking again, of course. Uh, Mark yells very emotionally. I mean, he's, he's fighting back tears throughout the entire promo. Mark yells, God's on the throne. They, we, we won't stop because we can't stop. He thanks everyone from the bottom of their hearts, hugs the kids, raises the kid's arm. Uh, they had that brilliant tribute video. Uh, to Jay Briscoe. I mean, not really a lot to say analyzing this, but it was just unbelievable. I went through the full spectrum of emotions here, ended up in a puddle of tears, like I burst into tears. Um, anything with kids now, being a parent, mm. just the strength that they show is just unbelievable. Like, So he cuts the promo, and then he's gearing up for the big sort of reveal. Um, and then there's a few, there's like one... Like pause, mm. and I'm thinking, please get it out, get it out. I don't know how you can do it, but please do it. And then when he says, however, mm. I just did the fist pump, and then the daughter, the eldest, walks out this in tears. This is magic, just absolutely lovely, like genuinely life affirming. Yeah. Like I'm a pretty uh, cynical person, a pessimist, like just in despair at the state of everything, really. And then you see the strength shown by someone like that who's been in mm. like in that situation and you do it you do it, it just it was life affirming you do get yeah. a slightly different outlook in that moment of maybe it's not just this absolute dumpster fire of a planet 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Then Renee Paquette was uh, backstage with, well, they want to now be referred to as Nicholas and Matthew Jackson. Oh, my God. A.K.A. the Young Bucks. Uh, Our God-given names. God didn't call you the Jacksons. You are Masseys, but that's still incredible. And they've got their new mustaches as well, of course. Um, They're executive vice presidents, Michael Sidgwick. It's time to take this job more serious. It's been four years. (laughs) And uh, Renee Paquette, because she's a great uh, interviewer, it's like, let's talk about the temper tantrums and the meltdowns that you've had. And uh, Matthew cuts her off, says, oh, they're all fake. Everything you said is fake, but let's pretend they're true. Um, You've heard all these things about us. What would you do to protect your family? You've got a child now, Renee. What would you do to protect that? Would you be uh, willing to maintain a thriving wrestling company called AEW if it meant losing friendships and ruining reputations and all this. Um, Matthew, Matthew says, hell yeah, I'd do it all over again. Uh, did you get your paycheck this week? You're welcome, Renee. Oh, yeah. Her look she gives him. the bag. I was like, God, you really are twats. You are. Um, they use change the world, says says Matt, Matthew. Um, they were doing that until they lost their way. The culture changed. Toxicity seeped in. Um, they, that was a result of leaning into self-serving, superficial, cancerous superstars. But they say stings anything but that. Um, hopefully that people will talk about them in a few years from now like, like they want to talk about Sting. He's the last of a dying breed. But in order to change the world, they need to say goodbye to Sting and anyone like him. And they say, uh, Paquette says, is that an official call-out for Sting's match? And Nick, Nicholas, not you, um, looked at his phone and said, as EVPs, we can pull some strings. I just walked off. Love this. I'm going to mention one flaw I thought was in here. Um, The link between CM Punk and Sting was pretty tenuous. Mm. Pretty tenuous. So that was my one sort of, uh, I'm not really buying that part of the promo interview, whatever. Uh, Elsewhere, this is just majestic, and it was just so good to finally watch the Young Bucks switch it up, do something a little bit different, like leaning in, 
So philosophically, it's kind of what they've always done, but it's a new take on it, mm-hmm. right? Which is what you should do. You can't just completely do a different character. They're not like Fred Ottman. <laughs> They're not Ed Leslie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you should do what you're good at, but in a new and unique way. And that's what they, I think, are starting to do. Um, I'm already so into it that when I wrote my ups and downs column, available now on whatculture.com slash WWE, it's just a transcript of this. (laughs) I instantly just paid them the respect and and used their God-given names. I'm already already writing down Matthew and Nicholas. Yes. I I love that. I absolutely... Matthew Jackson and Nicholas Jackson. It's like... That's... I'm not being... That's kind of bold. You don't just change your ring name if you're that established like the books are, but maybe they've realized we have to kind of commit to this. Performances, I thought, were great. Um, Just care again. They seem to be caring. They seem to be dialed in. I want to put over Renee Paquette before I forget. She is. She does this a lot because she deals with arseholes. She deals with heels. <laughs> she's like in, she's the professional one in the circus of dicks. The circus of dickheads. She's really great at just trying to suppress the despair she feels and trying to have this veneer of professionalism. Mm. But you can't hide your body language like you can't, like you know you just can't do that so she's really good at work and that sort of thing thought matt's promo was very very strong the motivation strong and while the, the, the link between punk and sting was tenuous the idea is they're probably going to do something like this beyond the sting program where they're leaning into this evp side of theirs and i trust aw to get this right after five years, I trust them to get this right. How many times have we sat there and thought, ooh, that feels like something WWE would do badly. Don't do that. And they've routinely turned around and went, well, we're obviously not going to do it like that. Yes. Like, there's times when you think, you realize there's a camera there, and then they reveal the next week, yeah, of course there was a camera there. Yeah, we, yeah. we just don't do it that way. Or are you doing a contract signing? And it's, oh, of course you didn't break the table, and you did something really cool with the idea, like, Don Callis being the camera operator. Oh, my God. Full gear 2021, go home. Like, they've always, like, subverted WWE really quite well. Um, There's no bad WWE to subvert these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a basic one, but it's not necessarily an actively bad one. But still, like, the idea of a heel authority figure, which is fundamentally kind of is, I just trust them to not get it wrong. Yeah. I completely trust them at this point. At the five years, there's nothing to worry about. And if there is, I still think they'll listen enough and dial it back or tweak it going there. We saw the Continental Classic. We've seen the changes in the directions and all the rest of it. So I this could be... Magic. Would you say that that uh, Matthew and Nicholas are back to the form when this company was kind of um, a, a phrase I'd use is probably becoming all elite. Indeed, because I, I just I, I I know a lot about it, obviously. But if you're you're new to AEW, yep. you kind of want the history of that. Any any advice for for people? Um, wanting to do that sort of thing. Perhaps, you know, their child's just had a birthday and they want to learn about Becoming All Elite. Indeed, you can, well, if you live in the world, you can buy my book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, which is about the formation and, indeed, rise of All Elite Wrestling, available now on Amazon, if you live in the world. Uh, the best thing I've ever put to paper. Um, I know that was a segue for a book. Mm-hmm. For, for a bit plug, of promo. Yeah. A plug, a plug, that's the word. Much like AEW in general, 
I don't want to go... We've had three really strong dynamites to start 2024. Yes. And I don't want to just go, ah, power's back. It'll take three months yep, for me that, yeah. of great, consistent, intriguing, dialed-in television with that flair, that AEW flair, which we'll get more of later, for me to go, right, I can just start to really look forward to it now and get back mm. into the groove. Same with the Young Bucks. I've had a, There's been a few false dawns with yes. them. Like, I remember the angle when Hangman Page first comes back into the ring last year and they mirror the revolution mm-hmm. post-match, which you loved so much as yeah. well. And you think, oh my God, the elite are back and when they're going to do elite things and it just didn't go particularly well. And then the Young Bucks seem to just lose interest again, deeper in the year and Omega got put in the callous verse and it just, Hangman did all right. Yeah, yeah. When he was there, which was about 30% of the time, We've been here before with the false dawns of the elite and the various members of it coming back. So I need a few months now. I need that few months of reassurance. Of course, the Young Bucks lost the big match at All In. I'm going to go on a quick tangent here about an email I got yesterday. Why not? A shout out to Mohammed Zahir. Thank you for your email, Mohammed. Cheers. Um, he was listening to us on WrestleCulture last week where... Uh, I lost Sid, my head. Sid was talking all about. Sid was talking all about he, the, the stuff that he was. That's far braver than anything that I could ever do in terms of. Tackling. I'm a total coward in so many other areas of my life. But by you the way, right the wrongs on public transport. If there's a seat there, but someone just put their bag on it, you're having words. Sometimes I have words. Sometimes I just go, "Here's your bag." I love it. <laughs> so Mohammed writes, "Hi Adam, I listen to you and Sidwick. I'm uh, such a coward. Why am I? Why can I do this and not other things?" <laughs> Listen to you and Cedric talking about public transport on last week's WrestleCulture and it reminded me of All In at Wembley. After the show finished, I looked at tens of thousands of fans making their way to the tube and I did not fancy being crammed in there. What was your experience of leaving All In like? We were watching Miller do his thing, his live ups and downs, really quite frankly reveling in the idea that a lot of really nice wrestling fans, who I have to remember when I'm on X on X actually exist Mm -hmm. coming up to us like being nice to us um, just I was having nice chats with them and I did think in the back of my mind uh, getting back here is a nightmare and I've got a (laughs) podcast and a list to do and it's already like nearly midnight or whatever I was like right it's time so we're just gonna have to go and we got to the platform you forget because I get the tiny wee metro, mm. which is like a scale extra set <laughs> compared to the tube. You forget how big these tube trains are. So when you see a horde yeah. of like, I think there's a th- more than a thousand people here. You think bugger. Then they say, "Oh, it's the last tube." Oh. And then you can't move for people, so you run to the end of the platform. And you think, "Oh, it's not that bad." Then you get on and you've got leg room. The ch- like the tube's just gigantic. Um, it was stressful, but it turned out to be okay. And can I just say, like, the staff on the London Underground were so good. Mm. Basically, like, realizing there's a lot of out-of-towners here. They've just been to a big event at Wembley. Right. Here's where you need to go. Come now, there, or you'll miss it. Mm. So they completely did a great job, everyone who was working at the time, of just telling you where you needed to go and when in no uncertain terms. Um, but I got very stressed, very, very, very stressed. So yeah, Mohammed was was concerned leaving leaving Wembley about about transport, um, and he said uh, I did not fancy being crammed in there on the tube, so I ended up so I ended up running home. 
right? And he sent me this screenshot. Thank you so much for this. So it's got like travel on, you know, walk, public transport, tube, whatever. Uh, time Timers are on here. So like 3.23 in the afternoon, 4.13, gets to Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium from 4.13 to 5 past 10 at night. And then it says 5 past 10 at night, running <laughs> till, five, sorry, seven minutes past midnight. Mohammed ran at 17 kilometers home after all in. What an achievement. Unbelievable. It's a good time as well. The 17K. I mean, this is 17K, you could do it in 10 hours. I'd still be impressed. <laughs> Aye. Thanks for that, Mohammed. Thank you. Tickled me. Um, then we got the ROH six man titles on the line Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony with Prince Nana, of course. Um, taking on uh, the Guns and Jay White, a.k.a. Bullet Club Gold, a.k.a. the Bing Bing Ging. And uh, oh, there were some, some wild spots in here, as you'd expect from three uh, young, talented lads taking on Goliath, yeah. basically. Um, Cage early on came in. Austin went for a uh, shake, rattle, and roll, and he was like, I'm not doing that. Release German for you instead. Um, totally owner Bishop Khan followed uh, hitting a corner backstabber, a splash combo, and Austin's really in trouble as we go to a break. When we come back, finally makes it over to the corner to Colton Gunn, who runs wild to a nice reaction. Wants a fame asser, um, but he turns his back and just gets pounced by totally owner. Um, and they also hit a swinging assisted powerbomb and a, an air raid crash from Bishop Khan for a two count. All breaks down. Cage tries to whip Leona into um, Jay White and Austin Gunn. They dodged, and Leona just goes flying over the barricade. Brian Cage gets hit with a 310 to Yuma by the guns. That leaves us with Bishop Khan and Jay White. Nana trips him. Khan hits a fireman's carry gut buster, but can only get two from it. Khan takes the ref. Prince Nana wants a belt shot, but before he can swing it, Anthony Bowens of the acclaimed jumps up on the apron, takes the title away from Nana. Uh, Jay White fights out of a schoolboy, hits um, Bishop Khan with a blade runner, gets the one, two, three. Bullet Club Gold are champions, and post-matches they are celebrating. They see... The acclaimed and Daddy Ass stood on the stage and realize it's down to them. Yeah. Uh, is it fair to say that this is broadly good action that wasn't, that was like sort of exciting enough for me to not drift off and go on the phone mm-hmm. and then think, oh, to put it down and rewind it. So it wasn't that sort of uninteresting, mm-hmm. but I just don't like the broader direction. So I just wasn't really into it. Like, it was kind of breathless. It was, like, spectacular, like, incredibly creative, but it was kind of breathless. And, like, I wouldn't have put, but Tony Khan could because he's a very good matchmaker. At the Gates of Agony, people who are great at throwing people around against the guns who are great at getting thrown around. Some great tumbles, mm. dramatic spills to the outside from Austin Gunn especially. So that was a good um, pair of acts to put together. Like, maybe like a, mi- a mini referendum on Jay White's ability to play babyface, which very few people have seen since mm. he came back um, from excursion to New Japan. Like, he's a really crafty, intelligent pro wrestler, and wrong footing and fooling heels is a big part of that job. So maybe it'll be an easier slide into the role than people would have expected. He's still kind of miscast. They still haven't scratched the surface of what he can do. I still don't like the idea of uh, not a new one, babyface supergroup. Um, I just don't really have much investment in any of this, but the action was fine. Mm. Good even. 
Adam Cole's backstage with Wardlow. Uh, speaking of which, he says they haven't scratched the surface of what he's capable of. Um, Wardlow now being in the Undisputed Kingdom makes him unbeatable. He'll go down as the most dominant AEW wrestler of all time. He'll mow down everyone until there's no one or nothing left. Uh, and the AEW title is property of the Undisputed Kingdom. Wardlow simply says, boom, to end the promo. Yeah, I made this point yesterday on the preview, so I will not waste too much of your time reiterating it. But Wardlow and Hook have the exact, very, very similar trajectories in which they've stat-padded their records against inferior opposition. But Hook gets the TV, uh, the match on telly, and Wardlow kind of has to bide his time and do... I just, this is why you should have the eraser board and the rules... And every character should have, like, the same set of obstacles in a fair organization. Or the things they do should matter if they are good, successful wrestlers as much as, like, Hook and Wardlow are the same. Very different wrestlers, but their trajectories are all but identical in terms of their winning records. So why does Wardlow have to bide his time and keep winning? Mm. And Hook gets the sh- It just makes no sense to me. And um, Bring back the rankings. Yes. Um, let me just check here, Sid. I'm just going to check my notes. Yes, the only women's match on the show. Yeah. Um, it was Deanna Prozzo versus Anna Jay. Timeless Tony Storm was doing commentary. We knew that in advance. And uh, she's got Luther and Ryan May with her. And uh, she thinks Tony Schiavone looks better than he's ever looked before. Decides <laughs> to feed him macaroons. Uh, that's because it's Ian, <laughs> Rick, and Bonnie. Just, every time they cut to her, she was either pouting down the line. Or oh, stroking Rick and Bonnie's head. <laughs> he looked, he didn't know where to put himself. No. It was majestic. Like, I loved, this is a great night for Tony Storm. Yes. Um, Maybe the more vulgar she is, the more I like it. I think you might be right there. There's going to be a line that we'll get to that uh, I have lost it. I lost it. Um, so, Deanna Prasso versus Anna J. Yeah, she uh, dodges a corner charge, does Anna J. Hits a neck breaker through the ropes on the apron to take us to a break early on. Uh, when we come back, Barazzo makes her come back. Nasty little knee lift, sweep, leg sweep combo that she does. Uh, hits a pump kick, gets a two count. Jay hits a uh, backstabber for two. Uh, but Parazzo, as we saw in a d- debut on Collision, you leave any limb out there, she's going to grab it and try and armbar it. She sank in a Fujiwara armbar. Jay got to the, uh, Anna Jay got to the ropes for a rope break. Uh, went for like a big finishing blow, but Parazzo just sidestepped her and... Uh, made a shoulder blades touch, basically, with the Venus de Milo submission, gets the victory. Um, post-match, Renee Paquette, again, earning her money on AEW Dynamite, interviews Prazzo, and she's like, I don't know what's gotten into Tony Storm. We used to be sisters. She's changed, but so have I. I'm the greatest technical women's wrestler. I'm the virtuosa. Storm's not happy. She wants to have a word back, um, but she's not in the ring, obviously. She's lower down, so to... Make things more level. She grabs a mic and climbs onto Luther's shoulders. She cuts this entire promo on Luther's shoulders. Uh, she calls Deanna Parazzo, Donna, for large parts in commentary. She kept calling her. Uh, her words, not mine. An artificially tanned hag. It's not a, an insult I've heard for quite some time. Neither if I've, ever. I haven't heard the following thing for quite some time. Um, she says, look, my past is none of your concern. <laughs> I ought to get into the ring now and suck you right in that box. Absolutely lost it. Oh, I don't want to get too philosophical. They have to go to, they have to finish up. They have to go to commercial. This shoe bit throws it, and Deanna throws it at Mariah. Another shoe gets involved. Mariah legs it. Deanna sort of chases her, and 
uh, <laughs> you have your champion leaving, still on Luther's shoulders. I mean, this is just unbelievable. I don't want to get too philosophical or wistful, but this is like this is like a prime dynamite vibe. Yes. Right, where the idea is it's not this incredibly synthetic, controlled, every word you have to say, unless we trust you, and we trust about five of you to do your own promos, you have to say word for word. Even if we trust you, you, could, you should probably still read from the script and not deviate from it too much. Maybe in your own words, but you cannot say a thing on television without us kind of knowing what you'll end up saying or what you are saying, right? Just the idea of Tony Storm just having that in a locker, knowing how funny it is and knowing how rarely you hear it and just watching Rene Paquette corpse. Yes. I, I don't want to make it too... You wouldn't want it to be too knockabout and roughshod. Can't do it every week. Can't do it every week. But every now and then, if you just trust these wrestlers, these artists who are natural performers, natural storytellers, to just do something like that. And Renee Paquette, like, she did so well not to just piss herself laughing. Box. <laughs> or to march into that ring and pop you right in that socky right Sock in that right in the box. In box. I died. I was howling. Just so good. And the idea is as well, it's kind of in character. She's meant to, I know she's meant to be the, like, descending into madness starlet. Yes. But the, the saucy and outrageous starlet, like, it's in character for her to do these things. It's, it's just majestic. Box, instant fan. Um, almost as good as the word tits. So that was all great. The match, less so. Welcome to AEW, Deanna Prazzo. Yeah. You are going to get butchered by that commercial break. Um, and it's all I thought layout-wise, this is misjudged. Against Red Velvet, the idea was Red Velvet sort of tried to go hold for hold for Deanna, and Deanna was like, get back in that ring and not do anything like that to me. I will end you quite decisively and painfully. You put up a decent fight, but this is all about me now. I'm going to Revolution. I'm going to have a title match. Mm -hmm. I'll be winning these matches quite handily. Thank you very much. This is way too even. They were doing like a forearm exchange, like 10 seconds before the finish. Like, and they try to make it seem like Anna Jay could sort of go hold for hold somewhat or cradle for cradle, at least with the honor on the mat. And just felt so even, treacly. It was quite slow, mm. not dynamic, not sharp, bit slow. I, I just thought the match was now to write home about, uh, misjudged in the layout. It just already felt like Diana Parazzo, after a really sort of unique um, debut match, had already fallen into that trap of, right, well, you're playing the established star. You know what that means? You know what that means? <laughs> it's time for you to give 50% of the match to your opponent. It's way too early to be doing that with Diana Parazzo for me, um, but Tony Storm is the best. Uh, Again... Yes. Before we move on, that, yeah, as I said, was the only women's match of the show, so it's time to play a game. Before we get to the name of the game. Box. What's the aim of the game, Sitch? Well, the aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the first note for the first entrance theme for the first woman to appear for the only women's match because it tends to happen around about the same time every show. Just to bold, italicized, underscore... Stop it. <laughs> Stop butchering these matches with commercial breaks. Yeah. You've actually got potential now. We've been here before. Characters who are over. You get names. You get like really tough. You could do a women's show now on Rampage like very easily. Oh, easily. With this nucleus 
of really established great wrestlers. Uh, it's just pissing me off at this point because the potential's there. I just thought after an encouraging few weeks to just butcher this and go on auto... Agent Autopilot is how I would describe that yeah. Parazzo match. I got annoyed. That's the aim of the game anyway. The name of the game. Well, this is ladies night, and I'm thinking, oh, what a night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, not bad. Uh, shout out as always to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton Fort and Jose Palomares at the Ho Eleven, who always take care of the um, data. Thank you for this sort of thing. First one of the year, of course. Have you got our timings from yesterday? Indeed. Because, uh, yeah, we were we were pretty close, you know. I knew I wasn't winning. You know, when they do the bit of, like, coming up onto tonight's show and in the corner, they flash through all the matches. Yeah. Oh, coming up, we've got, you know, uh, Private Party and Top Flight and da-da-da. The moment they weren't just before Samoa Joe and Hook, I was like, ah, oh, finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, again, because uh, that, that's sort of the layout of the show. But then, again, it's not as bad as that time. WWE were like... Who's going to go in the draft? And they literally posted the order of yeah, the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what do we go for? Well, in deep sending order. I never know. I went with zero hours, 59 minutes, and three seconds because it'd be given Timeless Tony the old top of the hour. Oh, God, that was so close to alliteration. And that is the work of <laughs> <laughs> Um Hamflet went for one hour, 18 minutes, and 10 seconds. And Adam Will Warn, I don't know you from Adam. 125-1. Uh, it was one hour, 17 minutes, and five seconds. I mean, it sure was. It, it was an AEW women's segment. Just over a minute 50% out, of the time. Which uh, means Hamlet takes the lead for the year. Maybe this is his year. Who knows? Well, he's he's not going to get the trophy. No. If it is his year for a long time, that resides on my desk. I'm going to... I'm going to look after that thing like a bird look after, looks after its young. That's how much it means. You're going to do the... Uh, did you uh, did you win a ladies night trophy? I did. First try. And <laughs> uh, then it was time for top flight versus private party. I feel like I'm in a time machine here. This, how long has it been since these four guys have been in a ring together? Years, obviously, with all the injury problems everyone's had. Oh, you mean like so this is the first TV match they've had is yeah. But like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it was just Darius. Poor Darius has had a time of it. Mark Quinn has been out for like 14 months, something nearly, like that, something yeah. like that. So I'm just really happy to see him back in the ring together, to be honest, uh, or just back in the ring and, and working together. Um, Dante and I think it was Cassidy started us off, um, and then it just starts winding up. Big, fast sequence. There's a double kip up into a face-off. Um, Cassidy gets a blind tag uh, to hit Dante with a blindside into Guri. Crossbody from the sp- uh, springboard crossbody. Top flight, I have to go... Right, let's take a second as they go to picture in picture here. Um, Mark Quinn, welcome back. Four dives onto Darius and uh, Dante on the oppos- on the outside, and then back inside. Quinn hits a four fifty splash for a near fall. Cassidy tried to save his partner at one point, uh, but Darius nailed him with a Pele kick. Um, Quinn countered a pop up into a drop kick, but turned around pop up knee lift from Dante. Cassidy came in. Hit Dante with a corkscrew kick, and they hit gin and juice. Darius tries to steal once as he's the legal man, uh, but he gets, or take over at least as the legal man. He gets rolled up by Mark Quinn, who grabs the ropes to get the one, two, three, and suddenly top flight afterwards realize what's gone on. Yeah, I... Did you get, when you watched this, kind of a, a nagging awkwardness? That they had this layout for, you know, your sort of high flying, blow away TV match. And it just always felt like there was something, I don't know, like 
It was like the spark. Mm. Certain times they weren't exactly in position. The odd bit of hesitation just felt like the the, the execution couldn't match the layout, mm. and it just didn't give me that. I'm losing my mind watching this athletic spot fest. Great match. It's never got it once. I think and they, they did this match it. in three time in in three months, considering everyone's come back. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying as well. Like Mark when. I'm not going to go too, like, studs up. Like, it's his first match back after his first serious injury. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's not going to be that sharp. I do think these have got a considerably better match in them. But, like, I, you, you watch a match like this with these two teams specifically and you get a grasp of how good the Young Bucks are. Yes. Truly. Yeah. They had that famous, excellent match with Private Party. They've had more than one great very good match with Top Flight, the last one of which was great. Can you remember Young Bucks versus Commander and Penta? Mm-hmm. Well, unbelievable. <laughs> and then contrast that with Cassidy and Trent. Yes. It's all kind of along the same lines stylistically. Young Bucks are unbelievable, even if you do not like that genre. And I understand, as a fan of it, after so much of it on Dynamite is the in-house, if you like, it's getting a bit much. The Young Bucks are unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I've, I'm, this is basically, this has turned into Observer Radio for a few minutes because <laughs> Dave does make this point a lot. But again, with these two teams having this kind of gentleman's three in particular, knowing what the Young Bucks have done with them and earlier in the night against Commander and Penta, it's like, gee, they're so great. Even if you do not like the genre, you have to admit they're just better at it than anyone has ever been, ever. Uh, we'll then get a video package of uh, the history of Sting and Darby Allen, um, recapping everything that they've gone through. Um, and they say they want to be AW Tag Team Champions. As a result of that, the big question marks over their final match at Revolution. Um, there's shots of, of Rick Starks and Big Bill in all this. Could it be them? Could it be the Young Bucks? Could there be a title switch before Revolution to make the match at Revolution a, t- a title match? I don't know. Well, if only... There were some AVPs who could pull some strings and give themselves a title match. I don't know if I hate that I like it. I don't know if it's good that they're heels that I hate it yet. But God damn it, I'm energized about the books and thinking about these kinds of things for the first time really since 2021. Mm. Main event time. Yeah. AEW World title on the line. Samoa Joe versus Hook. Hook does the bat symbol thing, comes out, does his pose in the corner. Samoa Joe comes out and he's not happy at Hook for not even acknowledging him getting into the ring and holding up the title. Um, but surprisingly, as the bell rings, Hook just spins around, sprints right at Joe and starts nailing him with strikes. Joe gets him away and then ragdolls him, hits him with some chops. Uh, he sends him into the barricade, or goes to be sent in the barricade, sorry. Puts on the brakes and jumps off. Forearms Joe. Um, looks like he might have a bit of an opportunity here, but Joe just nails him with a running back elbow and some body shots. Um, corner charge in Siguri. Joe starts trash-talking him. Big chop to the back. Punk kick. Elbow drop. Um, hooks desperation sort of attempt at a T-bone. Uh, but look at the size of Joe. He's like, I'm not having, you're not doing that. So Hook picked the leg, took Joe to the floor, and he hit a Superman punch off the apron, wanted a T-bone again. Joe counters and destroys Hook's back 
on the wooden announce table that explodes that in back front of, of his head. In front of his dad, yeah, and his head smashes against it. Joe walks off, you know, cockily, just flaunting it around ringside, um, again in front of Hook's dad. Um, and he comes back over to Hook, like, you want some more? Hook flips him off. So he power bombs him against the edge of the ring, and you think, that might be it, you know. The ref calls on the doctors. Taz wants to check on his son, uh, but he stays back. Hook shoves the doctor out of the way, dives in, just beats the count at nine. Uh, he rolls straight into a snap, power slam, and Death Valley driver from uh, Joe. Um, and then Joe gets him up, muscle buster, and you think, here we go, end of the match. Hook kicks out at one. Oh, my God. The crowd went insane. So did Taz, as we sort of hoped he would yesterday. Like, hold yeah. back initially. Yeah. Bit of bias, obviously. But he was like, as everyone was, at a one count for a for a muscle buster. Um, and this fires Hook up. He he hits clotheslines, but he put like, he puts everything into it. He's jumping into them um, because you have to do that um, to take down someone like Samoa Joe. Body shots, a huge suplex. He sets up. You think he might just have a chance of snatching Joe with the red rum. Um, but Joe blocks it, counters, coquina clutch, and Hook slowly fades. And the ref does the drop of the arm three times to give Joe the victory. Obviously, he retains the AEW title. Post-match, Joe goes to leave. And Hook says, that all you got? And I thought, oh, God. So he comes back in, kicks him, another muscle buster, goes to leave again, and Hook's getting to his feet. It's... You know, Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker, all the, the usual things that it would bring memories back of. He goes to return, um, but thankfully, before he can kill this child um, of, of Taz's, Hangman Page's music hit. He hit the ring. Joe just stares at him uh, and then turns and realizes there's Swerve with Prince Nana in the crowd as well. The crowd is sort of conflicting, counting Cowboy and Swerve's house. Um, and Page helps hook up who thanks, well, he appreciates it, but he, he wants to walk out on his own, and you see him leaving with the FTW title to close out this show. Almost perfect television, this. Almost perfect television. Absolutely loved it. Um, I loved how every single thing Hook did before the defiance sort of came to the fore, before the crowd really sort of got with him, like after the transgression of the table spots in the apron, it's like, well, you, you're in a fight now. There's no mistake. Mm. Everything before he had to draw on his spirit to get back into it. It was like he was the helicopter and Joe was King Kong. Like everything was, <laughs> everything was either ran into or jumped off or like flown into. Mm-hmm. Like every forearm, like every apart from the suplex, every attack was, I have to launch into this because I cannot take this guy off his feet whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when he did, it got the bigger pop, obviously, deeper into the match. Like, Joe has had one title defense and one promo, and he's already an, um, an unbelievable champion. Um, how do you do an Uranagi that a glancing blow on a pretty lean guy on the back of his head and still break the table? Yeah. Oh, my God, I love table spots again. That's what the difference with Joe is. You could probably have... We did say he should no-sell a move. He didn't no-sell, but he get kicked out of one. This is exactly the kind of match that you could probably lay out if you really thought about it, but elevated by 
Joe and his incredible aura and the storytelling. Like, the apron bump, it helped that you had the visual of the red mm. swelling on, like, in and around um, Hook's spine. But I still think the execution and the when to do things and just Joe's, Joe's aura would have put that over. It's like, you see an apron spot every fucking week. Mm. We saw it last week. Yeah. We saw the, what was the... Um, Angel's wings from Starks to Guevara. Yeah, I think so. The difference here was just pronounced very, very much so. The muscle bus to kick out at one was great. I'll tell you what else I liked, precisely because it didn't look amazing. Like, Hook's throws are much better than his strikes. Like, those forearms, those leaping forearms, they didn't necessarily look great, but I just added more pathos. Like, the guy's completely outmatched, but he's just not going to sell that. Like, I just loved the pathos and the storytelling, the violence. This is just majestic. Um, there's another point I was going to make as well. I, I will say this is the best possible much, uh, much match hook. That's why I got ah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have. I still think it could really benefit from going on excursion You're right. and being booked. Lower profile matches all of the time. Get that muscle memory. Work those kinks out. Um, in a Japanese promotion, maybe, um, because he's still green. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, and it's just the way AEW builds things. He's got things that are way more important than his few negatives at this point. But if he's going to be a main event star, and again, he's got the aura and the charisma, the presence, the crowd connection to be one, I still think he needs that excursion on the back of this. But this is still like a great, great, great TV match. And it reminded you immediately afterwards, uh, Joe's got two people coming for him. Yeah. And he can't decide which he's more concerned with. They deftly, oh! deftly navigated how to... Te- you have to do it every week. It's wrestling television, apparently. I don't think you do, but you know, <laughs> market research probably indicates yeah. that. They deftly managed to, again, tell slash show you what the, three way, the, what the main event of Revolution is or the title match at Revolution and... After the fact, through Page's endorsement, um, like gave Hook his moment. Yes, it wasn't just right out of the way. You, we've got a pay per view match to <laughs> yeah. promote. They definitely navigated those two things. The other thing I wanted to say as well is at World's End, which is weird for Joe because the specialist submission legitimacy you should be maybe doing the are you remotely conscious? No, bell, bell, bell. Maybe you shouldn't be doing the arm thing. But they did the arm thing with MGF and Joe at World's End. They did it with Hook here. Yes. Like three, three, three. They are building the one, okay, two, and then that one. Yes. The the the, the wrestler who does it the third time is going to get a massive pop because they have built that Kukina clutch and the three arm drops twice across two matches now. Keep building that. Yes. Keep building that. It will mean something for whichever wrestler manages to do the three. Give it a hangman till the end of the season. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite, either in the comment section or on X at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. Yes, technically, Nicholas in the room. That counts. Uh, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilmer. Follow our brilliant producer at. It's Adam Nicholas. Follow us all at What Culture WWE and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts and tickets for our Philadelphia show over WrestleMania weekend go on sale tomorrow. WhatCulture.com tickets. WhatCulture.com 
forward slash tickets even for that one. Amateurs. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick, to Adam Nicholas. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 